what a, what a great way to begin our time together here this morning singing about the amazing love and amazing grace of our Lord and God, the grace of God uh, that has sustained us thus far and will sustain us in the days ahead. As you know, we have been studying through uh, the book of Revelation, really just the first three chapters of the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings and have been looking at the seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor. And of course, we took a break last week uh, and to look at a, at a passage from Luke 5 where we saw that Jesus heals. You know, Jesus is known by many names and many refer to Jesus as the great physician because because he could bring not only physical healing but he could also bring spiritual healing even to the point of of, of raising the dead and even to the point of forgiving sins healing them and forgiving them of sins and and, and you know uh, we realize when we think about Jesus we realize that Jesus is on the throne today and Jesus knows exactly what what we need he knows what is best for you and me, not because he was, was trained in medical school, but because he created the heavens and the earth. He, it all originates with him, and he knows exactly who we are. He knows everything about us, and he knows exactly what we need. He is in control today. <clears throat> and as we jump in here to Revelation 3, we're going to see a message that Jesus writes to a group of believers. And just like a great physician, the one who knows exactly what they need, Jesus gives them some instructions like a prescription, like a doctor would give you a prescription to treat your illness. Jesus tell them, tells them to take certain actions so that they could become a healthy church, a living church, instead of a church that is dead. And, and, and in so doing, as we read this together, we are going to see how we too can be a living church. So if you would join with me as we read Scripture together here in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Write to the angel of the church in Sardis, the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, says, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. But if you are not alert, I will come like a thief, and you will have no idea at what hour I will come against you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. In the same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels." Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Father, we pray that today, Lord, that, that, that you would help us, Father, to see these principles, Father, that, that, that will help us to be a church that is alive, not just a church, Father, that is, is, is vibrant, not just a church that has a good reputation, but a, a church that is spiritually alive and growing and serving you, God, and being who it is you've called us to be, a church that 
reaches the lost with the gospel. Father, we pray that you would encourage us and challenge us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you know, a few days ago, one of my former pastors posted something on his Facebook page. And at the top, it was, it was one of those pictures that, that, that had two pictures, like a picture on the top and a picture on the bottom. And on the top was a picture of his church, the church building, really, the property of the church. And on the top, it, it said, over that picture of the church property, it said, this is not the church. But then on the bottom was a picture, and it looked like a whole bunch of little Facebook profile pictures of various members within his congregation. And there were probably a hundred of them, I'm not really sure, but it said on the bottom, this is the church. And as I stand here speaking to you this morning from our worship center that's nearly empty, I want to... Uh, remind you and I want you to remember this morning that this building and this property, this room, this is not the church. Th this is church property, but the church of Perryville First Baptist Church is made up of the people. People who have a testimony of faith in Jesus Christ, who have committed to Christ and committed to the work of Christ through the ministry of this local body of believers. You know, one of, my, uh, one of the authors uh, that I've read a lot over the years is, is, is a guy named Francis Chan. And, and uh, he says in one of his discipleship studies that he did with David Platt, uh, here's a quote from that study called Multiply. He says, God's church is not a social club. It's not a building and it's not an option. The church, he says, is life and death. The church, I love this, he says, the church is God's strategy for reaching the world. So what we do on the inside matters. And so Jesus says to the people at the church in Sardis, he says here in verse 1, I know who you are. He says, I know your works. He says, you have a good reputation, a reputation for being alive, but in reality, you're dead. You see, Sardis was a very prominent city in the western region of Asia Minor, which is really today modern-day Turkey. Sardis was a, a booming church in a booming city. They had the reputation for being a church that was alive. I, I don't know what all that meant. Maybe that meant that they had programs where they fed the hungry. Maybe that meant that uh, that, that they, uh, they they had a, a uh, they were well known for, uh, for 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 being very excited and for maybe their people being excited about the ministry there. But he says you have a reputation. Jesus says to them uh, for being a church that is alive, but in reality you're you're, you're spiritually you're you're really you're dead. And what that, what that tells us, just from the very get-go here, verse 1, that tells us that perception, folks, is not reality. You can have a good reputation on the outside and still lack godly character on the inside. You know, people work their entire lives to build a good name, uh, to make a good name for themselves, to, uh, to build a, a good reputation. And, and, and sometimes uh, we get so focused on building a good name that, that if we're not careful, we can neglect the spiritual health of our 
character. And so, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but, but I want to be known as, uh, as a disciple. I want to not just be known as a disciple. I want to be a disciple who is part of a church that not only has a good name, but a church who has a, the, the reputation on the outside because of what God is doing on the inside. You see, it really doesn't matter what people think of us out there if God is not working individually in each and every one of our hearts, right on the very inside to the very core of who we are. And so many of you know that just just in, in, in a matter of days, the world ha- as we know it has, has changed. Many are looking for churches and to the people of God for answers and for directions. And, and, and listen, in these days, they're not going to be looking as much for churches that, that, that do activities because most of us are going to be prevented from doing very many activities, okay? There's a lot of things that we normally do in ministry that we're not able to do during this season. And, and so instead of those activities, I think a lot of people are going to be looking for, for godly character. They're going to be looking for biblical wisdom. They're going to be looking for that agape love of God. They're going to be looking for, for truth, for discernment. And at some point, our, 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 our community may call upon us in some way, shape, or form to serve. And, you know, when this is all over, it's my prayer that Perryville First Baptist Church will bring glory to God by being a church that digs deep and goes the extra mile to connect people to God, to continue to grow in discipleship, and to serve others. I want us to be a living church. So how can we be a living church? Well, number one, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Look at verse two. Uh, Jesus says, be alert and strengthen what remains, which is about to die. For I've not found your works complete before my God. When Jesus says, be ready, some of your translations may say, be watchful. What he is saying is, he says, don't fall asleep on the job. Jesus says, I've got a, I've got a purpose for you. You, 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 can't, you can't rest on the past. You see, the church at Sardis had a reputation and had a history, obviously, of seeing God move because they, they were well known in their community. Certainly, God had done some things among them in the past. And, and for whatever reason, it seems that they had become so satisfied with the things of the past that they were completely neglecting the things that God had given them for today. You know, I'm so thankful to serve as pastor of this church here at Perryville First Baptist Church. We are in our 114th year of ministry. And if you think about it, in 114 years, God has done some amazing things among us. Think about the things that God has has done since 1906 uh, in the ministry of this congregation. Think about the national crisis that they have, uh, that they have uh, weathered and endured in, in those years. Two world wars. That, uh, our ministry, the ministry of God here has endured uh, Pearl Harbor, the Great Depression, 
two wars against communism in Korea and in Vietnam. We've weathered the, the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis. We've, we've uh, weathered segregation. We've weathered the assassination of a president. We've weathered uh, two attempts to assass assassinate other presidents. And, and, and not only that, we have weathered 9-11. Many of us, it doesn't seem like that long ago that, uh, that, that we were uh, in a similar situation where there was great concern and uncertainty. And certainly that way it was a different time and a different situation. But praise God, He has brought us through all of those things and throughout all of those those events that were tragedies and difficulties in the time of our nation, God has provided, He has sustained, and He has done amazing things. Even with all those things going on, we have seen people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've seen people commit their lives to God to go public with their faith and, and present themselves for baptism. We have, uh, we have seen lives shaped by the gospel of Christ. We have seen marriages and homes affected uh, in a godly way through the ministry of the Lord. Praise God, lives have been changed. While we praise God for what He has done in the past, and, and while we are thankful for those that come before us, and, and, and because we, we know we, we stand on their shoulders, we stand on the foundation that God laid through them, although we are thankful and we praise God for that, we cannot rest on what God has done in the past. We have to continue to press ahead into what God has for us today. Because as you look at verse 2, the end of verse 2, you'll see Jesus says something to them when He says to be alert. He says, For I have not found your works complete before my God. Maybe there is someone that is hearing this today and, and you need to hear this truth that God is not done with you. He has a purpose for you. You are here for a reason. Think about our senior adults. Many of them have, uh, have endured so many of the things that we talked about, so many of the national events, uh, national tragedies, and they have seen God do some amazing things. But friends, senior adults, listen, God still has a purpose for you today. You are, you are in inspiring those of us that are behind you. We are watching you and seeing you serve God. We are inspired and, and uh, we, are, uh, uh, we are amped up really by, by seeing your commitment to Christ. Listen, God is not done with you. I, I think about our students who I know are dealing with the real possibility that they may have already had their last day uh, of school on campus for the school year. Now, we don't know that for a fact right now, but I know that many of them are, are, are waking up to that possibility and they realize, hey, my, my, my school year, as I thought it was going to be, it, 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 it's going to be over. And, and even if they're able to, to go to school and do online learning, because praise God, He's given us that technology, but, but they're probably not going to be able to play sports. 
There are going to be seniors that, that, that may miss out on prom or they may miss out even on graduation commencement at the time of year when they had uh, anticipated it being. Listen, I, I want you to know God is not done with you. I, I know it would be easy just to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to hit the pause button on, on what I was doing. I'm going to wait for the next phase of life. And in between, I'm just going to sit back, enjoy my time. Listen, God has a purpose for you. He's not done with you. Don't fall asleep. He isn't done. Middle-aged and young adults, listen, God is not done with you. Some of you will have extra time. Uh, on your hands, extra time to, uh, uh, to be at home. Listen, if, use that time. Use that time to invest in your families. Use that time to love on your kids. Use that time to invest in your marriages. Use that time for the glory of God. He is not done with you. If, you, if we want to be a living church, then we need to have a living faith as believers and as believers. To have that living faith, we need to be ready, number one. But number two, we've got to hold on to the gospel. It, Jesus says to them in verse three, he says, Remember therefore what you have received and heard, keep it. Listen, we cannot lose sight of the message of Christ. We cannot lose sight of the gospel message. The gospel has to be at the very center of who we are as believers. It is at the center of who God has called us to be as believers and as a church. And so it's who we should be as a congregation. As you remember, the Apostle Paul says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the power of God and salvation. How do people get saved? They hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit convicts them through that gospel message. And so we cannot forget to, to hold on to the gospel. Because listen, the gospel it unites us as believers. Remember in Ephesians, Paul says one Lord, one baptism, one salvation. We are unified as believers through the gospel. The gospel is our purpose. What did Jesus tell the disciples to do? He said to go and make disciples. And that also reminds me that the gospel message is a message of salvation, but that message of salvation is also a message of discipleship. You see, we're not just called to convince people or to try to get people to pray a certain prayer and then be done with them. We are called as the church to make disciples. So that involves presenting the gospel as, as, as in the first part of the gospel as the message of salvation. But that message of salvation is not that you are to be saved to sit on the sidelines, but that you are saved to be in the game. And you get in the game by becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more than a prayer. It is a, it is a, a commitment of, uh, of your life. If not for the message of the gospel, we are wasting our time here this morning. He says, remember the message that you received. And in case you're out there watching and you're not really sure what that message is. I just want to share it with you just briefly. See, the message of the gospel starts in the very beginning. 
Because in the beginning, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth. Then he said that, that his creation was good. He was satisfied after he created. He created the plants and the animals and, and humanity. And, and the Bible says that he was pleased with his creation. In those days, there, there, there was no death. There was no disease, no sickness, no viruses, no abuse, no wars. But something happened in those days. And you've probably heard that story. You see, the Bible tells us that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They did the one thing that God told them not to do. And, and when they sinned against God, when they turned their back on God, when they decided to not trust God, the entire world changed forever. And, 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 and at that point, that's when death and disease and hatred and, uh, and the potential for resentment and the potential for abuse and all of those things came into the world. All of those things are the effects of the sin of humanity, the effects of rejecting God. And for many years, humanity has been trying to figure out a way to make up for it. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. And all of us, you know, uh, we fall short of the glory of God. You know what that means? That, that means that no matter who you are, the Bible says that, that we're all sinners. That's me included. None of us are perfect. None of us are worthy. None of us can earn salvation on our own merits and on our own accord with our own accomplishment. No matter how good you are, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are good enough. And that's why God sent Jesus to, to live this perfect life. He sent Jesus from heaven. The Son of God came down to live on this earth a perfect life without sin. And He was the only one who, who, had the, the, uh, uh, who, who was righteous enough to be an acceptable offering. For our sins. Because of the righteousness of Jesus, because Jesus was perfect and fully obedient to God, when He hung on the cross, He is the only one who was deserving of heaven. And because of that, He was the only one righteous enough that God would allow to be uh, punished in our place. He took our punishment. And Scripture teaches us that that He offers salvation, forgiveness, uh, a right relationship with God. He offers that to us as a free gift. In order to receive that gift, we have to put our faith and trust in Him and Him alone. And the Bible says if we, if, if we call upon the name of the Lord in that way that we can be saved. If you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, wherever you are watching here today, I, I, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want you to know that you don't have to be at a church to put your faith in Jesus Christ. When I came to the Lord, I, I wasn't at church. I was, I, I was reading a gospel track and I knelt down by, the, by my bed in my bedroom as a high school senior. You don't have to be at church to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just have to be in a place where you are willing to spiritually open your heart and receive it. You can trust in Jesus. Listen, friends, if, if, if you want to be a, a living church, we've got to be ready. And as believers, let us not 
lose our hold on the gospel. We have to hold on to the gospel. It is who we are and it is why we exist. And always, listen, we need to be ready to repent of sin. You need to repent of sin. Because see, if, if it, it, when you come to Christ, believers, you, you realize this, you remember this, when you first came to Christ, you remember that that was the first time that you came and repented of your sins. The Bible says that, that, uh, that, that if we want to be saved, that we should repent and turn back so that our sins may be wiped out. And that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Listen, whenever you come to Christ, the, the Bible says you come through faith. Part of that process is that you would be willing to repent. That means that you're, you're turning away from whatever it is that, that was, was uh, holding you back. Whatever it is that was a barrier in your relationship with the Lord. And, and, and whatever sin that you struggle with, whether it's a habit or Something, maybe a, a, a sin that you've carried with you. Something that you did many years ago and you've carried the guilt from that and you have lived with that. Whatever it is, you, you, you turn away from that sin and you turn towards God. You see, it, it's, it's a complete shift. It's a, it's a changing of, uh, of direction in your life. Scripture says you need to repent of sin. Listen, repentance is part of coming to faith in God. Christ. That's why I say it's more than just praying a prayer. It is a life commitment. But even as a believer, listen, even as believers, if we're walking with God, we're growing in our faith, even as we grow in our faith, there's going to be times in our life that, uh, that the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God will convict us of something uh, and, and will call to our attention some way, somewhere where we messed up, somewhere where we missed the mark, somewhere where we, uh, uh, for whatever reason, we, we, we neglected to, uh, to walk with the Lord in this particular issue. And, 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 and God will convict us of that. And even as believers in those moments, we have to be willing to repent. That's, that's part of having a living faith. That as God convicts your heart, that you move in the direction that He leads you, but also if He convicts you of sin, that you are willing to repent. Listen, none of us are perfect. All of us need the Lord to guide us, but we have to be willing to respond to His voice. We have to be willing to obey His instructions. And, and that's, listen, that's why it's so important that you and I are, are studying and we are in the Word of God. Part of having a living faith and being believers of the living faith so that we can be a, a church that is a, a living church is being people who are in the Word of God. Now, I'm no, I don't know about you, but I, I know that uh, that life has been pretty busy as of late. It's been really busy up until the last week or so. Uh, our lives have been have been just crazy. It's springtime. Sports uh, have begun. You know, there's just a lot of things going on. And, you know, it's real easy in those times of year to uh, to say, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to settle with not reading the Word of God as much as I should. Now, I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just saying that is a temptation that we all are, are vulnerable to at busy times in our lives. And, and, and so, so sometimes we, it doesn't become quite the priority that it needs to be. Uh, but, but listen, 
if we're going to be a people that have a living faith, we need to be in the living word. And in whatever God is doing with this time and this season, I know that many of us now have much more time to be in the word, much more time to be in prayer, to be considering the things of God, much more time as well to be involved in the things of God at church. Now, we, we, we're not coming to the church property as much. And, and listen, we're going to get back to it as, as, just as soon as we can. As soon as it's safe, we're going to get back to that. I promise you. But even in the meantime, it's going to cause us to, to, to have to go the extra mile to connect online, to stay uh, involved, to stay connected as a congregation, to stay aware of the prayer needs and the concerns. And, and it's going to be a little different. But praise God. Listen, we need to be willing to trust in Him. That means we've got to be ready. That means that we've got to... Uh, we got to be ready. we got to hold on to the gospel. We always are ready to repent. But listen, having a living faith and being a living church is being a people that are assured. We are assured of the promises of God. You need to be assured. Look at what Jesus says to them in verses 4 and 5. He says, But you have a few people in Sardis who have not defiled their clothes, and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy. And I will never erase his name from, from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and before his angels. He's talking about there the victor. He, he compares them to someone who has, has won a victory. Listen, when Jesus says there are some of you that, uh, that have not defiled their clothes, he's saying, I see and I know that there are some of you that are not falling asleep on this thing. And I know that although I'm talking to a general population, a general population of this congregation, I know that that is not the universal truth for all of you. There are some of you that have been very faithful to me. Some of you have, have, uh, have continued to serve me. And, and, and so Jesus is saying, listen, I see you. He's saying, I know that you're there. And maybe there's someone that, that's tuning in right now. And what you need to know is that God sees you right where you are. He knows you. He, he knows you. Those of you that have been faithful and, and you're discouraged in, in, in this time of, of just upheaval that we're in as a, as a nation, listen, understand that God knows you. He sees you. Be assured. You need to be assured. So when Jesus says, uh, he says that, uh, that, that I'm not going to, uh, that, that that person is going to walk with me in white because they're worthy. Listen, he's not saying those of you that are, that are faithful are, are any, quote, better in a sense than the, the people that I've been talking to before this. But what he's saying is he's acknowledging their maturity. He's acknowledging their the maturity in their walk with God. And, and so listen, God sees you. If you are walking deeply with God, keep it up. Be assured. Because Jesus says that just like the victor, he says, I'm not going I'm, I'm to erase your name in the book of life. But instead, he says, I'm going to be so impressed with you. I'm so blessed with you. I, I'm so blessed to buy you and buy your serving that I'm not only not going to forget you when, when, when you get here, but I'm going I'm to go to my daddy and I'm going to tell him, 
about how faithful you have been. And so if we want to be a church that is a church that is a living church, then we need to be assured. Friends, listen, I I believe that Perryville First Baptist Church is a living church. Because we are a church that, that I believe we are a congregation filled with people who do have a living faith and a living Christ where none of us are perfect. But as we read about the church of Sardis, we, we are reminded that we need to guard against letting the ministry of Christ fail. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. And in a season of change, in a season of, of insecurity for many, we need to be a living Church, and you be servants of Christ with a living faith. Be ready, hold on to the gospel, repent of sin, and be assured that God is in control and He knows what is going on. You know, as we face uncertain times ahead, I'm reminded of the story that I've heard from a uh, from a businessman and a lawyer from many years ago. I think it was in 1871 that uh, the great Chicago fire really hurt him and destroyed his, his business. Not only did it destroy one of his businesses, but it, it, uh, uh, it, it, it took the life of his son. And it was a very hard time in 1871 for this man. Uh, and, uh, and, and so a couple years later, the man whose name was Horatio Spafford, a couple years later, he decided, hey, I'm going to take my wife and my daughters on a trip to Europe. And so uh, just before they were going to board the, the ship, uh, something happened in, uh, with his business and he had to stay behind. And uh, Horatio Spafford stayed behind, but he decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and send my wife and my daughters ahead. And so he sent them ahead and they got on th- this particular ship. And as they began to sail to Europe, before they got there, The ship uh, collided with another ship, and it sank in the Atlantic Ocean. Horatio Spafford got word of this tragedy, and he immediately uh, made arrangements to get on another ship and to sail to or to to go to uh, where his wife was so they could grieve together. And, And on his way, they were in the area of the Atlantic, where uh, this, uh, this ship had sank. And as he was on his way uh, to see his wife, uh, during that journey, he found himself um, uh, in the Atlantic where the ship had went down. And see, when that ship had went down, uh, his wife survived, but their four daughters died when that ship sank. And so when he got to the area that the, uh, the people on the, uh, the ship that he was on traveling to see his wife to grieve about their daughters, he was in this area where his daughters had died, and it was there that he wrote uh, one of Christianity's greatest hymns. And uh, it's going to be a hymn that, that you're going to know. And, and I wonder if, if, if today... Maybe you just need to sing the words of this. If you know it, you can close your eyes and sing along. Uh, You can let this be the prayer of your heart as we seek the face of God. These are words from a man who, during this time in his life, had a living faith for 
God. And even in the middle of the worst of things that happened to him, he could still give God glory. Would you worship with us? Yeah.